Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Good, and good morning to those of you joining us online. We are grateful that you're with us. I never, ever want us to take for granted how incredible it is to gather freely in the house of the Lord and worship Him. That's an amazing thing, and I'm grateful for that. Hey, our Costa Rica team has arrived home safely. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that we're going to be hearing many of their highlights in the weeks, in the coming days, but we are just thanking God that they are home. Let me ask you this. I want you to imagine this, okay? What if today there was a life coach available? You know, a life coach that could, could teach you and show you what to do and how to do it. All those things are popular today, right? But what if this life coach had the ability, the know-how, the talent to help guide us, to protect us, to help us, and to direct our paths so that you and I would know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that each of us would live a fulfilling, joyful, and exciting life. Someone that would be with us daily and able to give us advice about what and what not to do 24-7. And then if we messed up, they'd be able to get us right back on track really quick. But here's the kicker. What if this life coach was never wrong? Can you imagine? What if they had a track record of never leading their clients in the wrong way or in the wrong direction? And then what if they could even help you and I become better than we ever think possible? Guys, can you imagine can you imagine the people lined up for this kind of coach? Can you imagine what they'd be willing to pay? I think there'd be a huge waiting list. Let me pray. Heavenly Father God, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we can worship today freely. We thank you that, that, that you are here today with us, God. We thank you that, that your power is so incredible, but so is your love. And we pray today, God, that, that there would be no distractions, that, that, that we would be able to, to open our eyes and see and open our ears and hear and open our hearts and feel what you have for us today. I pray this, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, we're in our fifth and our final week of the study of the Holy Spirit. And so what I'd like to do is, because it has been a long series that has been amazing, let me give you some, so a review of some highlights that have been shared over the last four weeks. Just some things that we've talked about, about, about the Holy Spirit. We said this, Rick started the series saying that the Holy Spirit is a person, right? He's a person, not an it. He's the third person of the perfect trinity. One God, three unique persons. He grieves, he loves and he has a moral spirit. We said he's God. He's God. He's, he's all-powerful. He's all-present. He's all-knowing. 
And he has been commissioned by the Father to glorify the Son. Not only that, but to apply the work of the Son to you and I as believers. We said he's eternal and holy and contains the power of God's presence forever. He is the author of Scripture. I want to read a verse to you that, that, that proclaims that, and I, I love what this says. It's in 2 Peter. It'll be on the board. It's, it's uh, chapter 1. We're looking at verses 20 through 21, and it says it this way. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, guys, this is how we know and trust that the Word of God is the Word of God. We said the Holy Spirit is elusive and mysterious, too great for us to fully understand or comprehend, that He helps us pray and even intercedes for us on our behalf. The Holy Spirit is our reminder that we are children of God. He is proof that the Jesus is our King. One of his core values is creating unity in the church, and he tears down walls that culture builds. He equips us to do what we're not capable of doing ourselves. He is the giver of spiritual gifts, and no one says Jesus is Lord without the power of the Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to continue on, and we're going to look at three verses, okay? We're going to look at three verses that I hope will continue to grow and guide us in a more complete understanding of just who this is and who it is that indwells in our hearts. So if you got your Bibles, if you'll do this for me, will you turn to the book of John? We're going to start there in the book of John, chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. Now, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says this, All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Here, Jesus points out to them that while he was with them, that they spoke about many things over the three-year period that he had them, Right? But, but even though he was soon no longer physically be with them, God was going to send someone just like Jesus to take his place. But the difference being is, instead of just being with them, this replacement would be actually implanted in them, and he would be their advocate. Now, an advocate is a person who, who pleads on someone else's behalf. And, and here, it is the Holy Spirit pleading on behalf of the disciples, and eventually us and all believers. And, and when Christ speaks of teaching them all things, this is where the Holy Spirit is illuminating the Scriptures so that you and I could better understand the Word of God, but also so we can apply it to our lives today. Now, at this time, Christ, His exodus from the world was fast approaching. This was happening. And he had already spoken earlier to, to his disciples in John saying that he would ask the Father to send another counselor, a helper like himself, called the Spirit of Truth. And he explained during that time that the unsaved would not be capable of receiving the Holy Spirit 
because they knew nothing about him. Because, and because of that, he couldn't and didn't live there. But this spirit, this Holy Spirit, would stay with believers, and in the future, he would take up residence in them and abide or remain in them forever. Jesus expands on this a little further by telling them that not only would the Holy Spirit be their great teacher and teach them all things, but he would also remind them of all that Christ taught them in their time together so that they would now be equipped to share it with the world. This person, this person we call the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity of God who is in all things equal with the Father and the Son. And together with the Father and the Son, he is both worshiped and he's glorified forever. So here's what we see. If you and I today, right, if you and I have trusted Christ to be the forgiver of our sins, if, if you and I have trusted him to pay the price that we were supposed to pay, then the Word of God quotes Christ as saying, he, the Holy Spirit, is at this very moment living within my body and yours and all believers. You see, this means that we have 24-7 coverage. This means that we have access to, to the Holy Spirit wherever He goes and wherever we go because He goes with us. The Holy Spirit goes with us and, the, and He's promised us that He would never leave or forsake us. He's omnipotent, meaning He has unlimited power and able to do anything. He's omniscient means that he knows everything and he's both eternal and glorious and guys he is the one that came to live with us to be our advocate our counselor our teacher our instructor and our helper in times of trouble or need you see that is the life coach that this world can never offer and then what I'd like to do is just flip over just a few pages as we look at this next verse we're gonna stay in John but this time uh, we're looking in John 16, 13. And, and this is Jesus continuing to speak. And he says this. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell what is yet to come. Now, in the verses prior to 13, Jesus was revealing the functions of the spirit in the world. But now, now he begins to reveal the Holy Spirit's ministry directly to the believer. Verse 13 tells us that the Holy Spirit teaches or guides us through the written truth of God. Saying that whatever he hears is what he speaks. And, and, and what he's saying there is that he clarifies, but God originates, right? He clarifies, but does not originate, meaning the Holy Spirit speaks the thoughts that come from the depths of God. And he does so in a way that allows believers to have the ability to understand at a deeper level the essential truths of God, Jesus, eternal life, and how all of that affects our souls. Again, so you and I are capable of being who it is God's called us to be. You see, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus so that he is able to take what, what belongs to Jesus and make it applicable to the church. That's what he does. 
And then in the, at the end of verse 13, he says, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, for the disciples, what this meant was the Holy Spirit was going to reveal to them the nature of the mission that they were about to go on. But at the same time, he, he would prepare them for the opposition that they would face. Not only that, but he was going to let them see the outcome of their efforts so that by knowing what they were going to do was going to glorify God, they were able to do it with excitement, effort, and excellence. I pray we do the same today. I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to how 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12 says it a whole lot better than me. But listen to this. It says this. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, who knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? What we have received is not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand all that God has really given us. That's what the Spirit does. And then this is where it gets personal, okay? This is where it starts to get personal because if you and I want to know the will of God, right? If you and I want to be able to discern between what's right and what's wrong, and if you and I want to better understand the word of God, we have to believe that this is the work of the Holy Spirit because this is what he does and this is who he is. Our third verse, you're going to have to turn a little bit and work on this one, okay? We're in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And now we're going from Jesus talking to us to now it's the disciple Paul. And Paul says this. He says, I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now, Paul starts by saying, I pray that out of his glorious riches. You understand where that's coming from, right? I pray out of the glorious riches of God Almighty, saying that everything that God has at his disposal, out of all of his eternal goodness, that we can he that the Holy Spirit can use whatever he needs to come and strengthen you and me that's like God just telling the Spirit here's my toolbox grab whatever tool you need to go fix mark that's a pretty good box to grab from pretty good and then it says this it says and look at how the power will come to us through his spirit in your inner being Guys, this is the very place that the Holy Spirit lives in each of us as a believer. And you have to understand, this is the power that allows us to become alive in Christ and also fills our hearts as he indwells in us through faith. Church, I need you to hear this. This is the supernatural strength of Christ coming to us through the Holy Spirit. And it gives you and I the ability to continue living God's way even as the world tries to rip us apart.
That's what he does. Why would Paul, why would Paul make this prayer, right? Why? Because he knew that what we were, fa what we were facing was impossible without the supernatural power of God's Holy Spirit. I pray that you and I know that as well. Because you see, you and I are not capable of standing against Satan. But the good news is we don't have to. We don't have to. We have help. Paul continues saying that I, he prays that, that being rooted and established in love, we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And, and what Paul's praying there is that, that our roots, right, that our roots are so deep and so established that like a mature tree, when, when the storm comes, we're able to stand. We're able to stand in the incredible love that Christ provides through the Spirit in our inner being. You see, this is what allows you and I to love even when someone doesn't love us back. This is a what allows unity in the church as we can disagree and still love each other. And this love, this love is so different from this world that it makes others want to know more. It makes others want to go, how? How do they live like that? And then Romans 5, 5, such an important thing to remember. Romans 5, 5 tells us that God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Dr. Barnhouse, I, I came across this in a commentary. He describes this kind of love as he shares that love is the key ingredient to the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, he says that joy is love singing. He says peace is love resting. Patience is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. And self-control is love holding the reins. You see, without love, there is no fruit of the Spirit. And guys, it's only in this power, it is only in the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I are able to grasp some of the greatness of God's love. He says it's a love that's wide, right? It's a love that's wide, wide enough to embrace the entire world. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the whole world, right? The entire world. It said it's a love that is high, high enough to bring sinners to heaven. John 3.1 says, see what great love the Father has, has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. He says it's a love that is long, long enough to last forever. 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, love never fails. And a love that is deep, deep enough to take Christ to the very depths to reach the lowest sinner. Philippians 2.8 says, and being found in appearance as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Church, I hope that you're starting to see why we need this daily infusion of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This kind of love, again, is so different from this world. And you and I, we need this supernatural help in order to understand it and then prayerfully live it. 
So what I'd like to do is, is kind of give you a before and after picture. You know, when we, you know, we see diets and, and people go on a diet and they show you the before and the after, right? Well, I want to do that today with the Holy Spirit. And I want to do it in a way that, that we just take a quick peek at the life of Peter, the disciple. Okay? And, and this was before the Holy Spirit came upon him. And, and, and this was when Christ was being crucified. And there was this huge gathering because people wanted to see what was going on. Well, Peter and John had gone, and, and they were spotted in the crowd. Peter was spotted in the crowd, and someone said, hey, you're one of Jesus' followers. Another one came and said, hey, you're one of Jesus' followers. And then a third one came. And Peter, afraid for his life, afraid for they were going to do to him what they were about to do to Jesus, he denies Jesus as his Savior and Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. But here's the good news. You see, that's not the end of his story. That's not the end of his story because I want to look at what happens. Look at who Peter becomes after the filling of the Holy Spirit in his life. This, this starts in Pentecost, right? This was that annual feast where the, they were thanking God for the crops. Very similar to our Thanksgiving now, right? And, and, and so during that time, Peter and the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter comes out and he shares a message about Jesus that's so powerful and so bold that we're told somewhere around 3,000 people repented and were baptized. Now remember, he's, he's telling them that they're murderers during this time. He says, you killed Jesus. But instead of, of killing him as, like they did Jesus, they look at Peter and they say this, what should we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized. Later on, Peter and John were sharing the gospel. And this time, the Sadducees had them arrested because they were sharing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which they didn't believe in. But, but listen to what they said about them in Acts. Acts 4.13, it says this. Speaking of the, the Sadducees, it says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. You see the difference? They marveled. And then Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was doing so many miracles that people started lining up their sick and their ill on the streets just with the hope that Peter's shadow would pass by them. When they beat him for sharing the gospel, he started rejoicing because he was worthy to suffer like Jesus. Guys, Peter goes from being timid to being bold. He goes from hiding out in fear to speaking out in faith, from denying Christ to dying for his name, and from bragging about himself to giving Christ all the glory. You see the difference? This was a different man with a different spirit. And the thing is, it was evident to everyone he came in touch with, everyone around him. And so the question of the day is this, what about us? As a believer today, what about us, right? Is that so evident in our lives? Do people see the difference the Holy Spirit makes in us? The Holy Spirit is mentioned all through the Bible. As a matter of fact, 90 times or more in the New Testament alone. Just to give you a sample of that, in Genesis, he's hovering over the water. 
In Exodus, he's helping the men under Moses' care. In Numbers, it tells us he's empowering Joshua to lead Israel. In Judges, he empowers Saul to become the first king. In Matthew, believers are baptized in his name. In Romans, we're told that the Spirit prays for us in groanings that cannot be expressed with words. In Corinthians, we read that no one says Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. And then in Titus, we're told that the Holy Spirit is continuously renewing our hearts. And yet somehow today, somehow today, many, many do not understand this amazing power that indwells in hearts of believers. You know, I tried so hard. I deliberately said absolutely nothing about the Super Bowl today. <laughs> and I did that because this topic is way too important. This topic is so important and so vital for you and I to continue growing into who God's called us to be. It's vital. And I didn't, I wanted you not thinking about anything else. But I do need to give you a little bit of a sports story to finish this up today, okay? So bear with me, all right? Now, when I was a young boy, I, I absolutely fell in love with sports. Um, I was blessed to live in an area that had an incredible program. It, it was amazing. And when I wasn't playing a game or practicing, I, I was playing a make-believe game in my backyard. Uh, Saturday mornings were the best days of my life. I would get up and my parents would always cook this big breakfast and my favorite cartoons got me ready for the next game. And, and believe it or not, many times I didn't even have to put my uniform on because I slept in it. That is no, no lie. That game day feeling in my stomach was so awesome. It was so awesome because it, I started anticipating playing in front of people and working with my teammates and it was just so exhilarating. But guys, sometime around 16 years old, something happened. You see, other things started vying for my attention and my time. The social parade and the party scene was taking away my focus and my desire. And now all of a sudden, sports became something I just did instead of something I loved. I was just, it was like I was just trying to fit it into my schedule whenever it was convenient. And I thank God that at the age of 24, that as I accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord, man, that game day feeling came back. That game day feeling came back not just in sports, but in all areas of my life as Christ became my coach. And I know that many of you are going, that's great, Mark, but what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Here's the thing. I think many today have lost that game day feeling. I think many today have lost that game, th game feeling. I think there are many who started out so excited as they were, uh, uh, you know, allowing Christ to be their Savior and trying to live that out. But you see, along the way, somehow God has just become someone you just fit into your schedule when it's convenient instead of being your greatest priority. That's my prayer today. It's a long journey. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is that you will allow the Spirit to truly take over all that you are and all that you do. That's my prayer. And that your game day feeling returns as well. That your excitement, your purpose, and your passion for life once again returns. 
and that you begin waking up every day excited about the opportunities that God may bring. Because you see, that's what the Holy Spirit desperately wants to do in our lives. He's that helper when you and I need a lift. He's that reminder of all that God wants to do in us and through us. And he's the one that ignites our soul and infuses the love of Christ in our being. That's who he is. And so I ask you today, please, please, today, allow the Holy Spirit to stop being an it in your lives. Allow him to be the one who equips you daily for what God has called you to do, for what God created you to do. That's his job. And I would ask you this, why would we settle for good when we have greatness in our soul? Why? You see, God, God never intended for you and I to live an average life. He never once intended for that. There is nothing average in God's resume. Absolutely. But what the world does is as it takes away the game day feeling in our lives, what happens is you and I just start settling for average. We start settling for mediocrity. And slowly but surely, if we're not careful, the passion and the purpose in this life that God wants us to live is gone. There used to be an old song that said, it's a slow fade. Satan is a crafty old man. But we, we have the Holy Spirit living in us today as believers. We have that living in our hearts, and that is what is going to supply the love of Christ, but also the power of Christ, the strength of Christ, so that you and I could continue on and do what it is we're called to do. Church, can you imagine? Can you imagine the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God living in us and to so many today, it's not evident. Listen, I know that it is a big deal that we paid the debt off in this church. It is absolutely amazing. But can I tell you this? That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning, right? Now we have to continue moving forward. And to do that, we have to do it in the power of God's Holy Spirit. God wants to do amazing things on this 25 acres. He wants to do amazing things. He wants us to be the light in this community. But it is a journey. And in that journey, you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray, I pray today, I pray that we would, we would understand that and believe that. And then, guys, there are people in here today that, that, that don't know the love of Christ. They don't know quite yet know the forgiveness that Christ offers. And I'm asking you today, if that's in you and you're in your life today, I'm asking you, if God's tugging at your heart, please don't leave. There are people in the back that are prayer warriors that would love to talk to you and share with you the love of Christ and what that is. You have the ability to walk away today with the Holy Spirit in your heart. God is equipping us with everything we need to be who he's called us to be. Let's do it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you are so great. I thank you, Lord, that, that you have equipped us. 
Lord, that you have equipped us with everything that we need. You've forgiven our sins. You've given us the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to grow us, to guide us, to direct us, but to also convict us so we can get back on course very, very quickly. And so I pray, I pray today, God, Lord, that we would see this, that we would want more of your Holy Spirit and less of us in our lives every single day. You talk about abundant life, God. That's not about being a millionaire or a billionaire or whatever it is after that. God, it's about having passion and purpose. It's about having a reason for living. It's about knowing that we are connected to you, God, Lord, and you have things for us to do. God, be with this church. May we grow into the church you want us to be. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.